You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, good morning, church. I hope you are having a great day today on this Sunday. Um, man, it has been a couple of really beautiful days. You got to love the Oregon summers. So I hope you've been able to get out safely and enjoy some of that uh, vitamin D sunshine. God knows we all need a little more sunshine in our lives. Uh, but anyways, I hope that you all are doing well. I hope that you've grabbed your cup of coffee. I have a little iced coffee here myself. Um, and I just want to share this morning uh, about Pentecost Um, We're on part six of our series on Pentecost, and I just want to dive right into it this morning. Um, Some things have been stirring in my heart this week, and and this this message that God's placed on my heart for this morning, really I wrestled with it all week um, in hopes to bring something to you that today today that I hope will be um, rather impactful and maybe uh, stir your hearts like it has stirred my heart. Before I jump into it, let me pray, and then we're going to get started. Father, we are so grateful for your presence, your goodness, your mercy. Thank you that you're working in us and through us even in the middle of our struggles, our crisis that we face individually, corporately as people. We thank you, God, that you are ever present among us. Holy Spirit, come speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, we're on part six of our series, Pentecost, part six of Pentecost. And this week I posted up on my Instagram and on my Twitter, and I think even on my Facebook, um, <coughs> this, this simple quote uh, from Julie Canlis who said, that said this, only the spirit can convince our orphan hearts that we are children. Only the spirit can convince our orphan hearts that we are children. And we've been in a series about Pentecost and and in particular speaking about when the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and began to dwell in the people of God, how this has impacted us and how we should interact with the Holy Spirit now being available to us, residing within us in our lives. I want to talk about this this idea that Julie uh, brings up in this quote and really something that Jesus speaks about that jumped out at me as I read this quote. When I read the quote, only the spirit can convince our orphan hearts that we are children, it immediately reminded me of John chapter 14. Now, John chapter 14 is when Jesus is talking to his disciples about the fact that he is going to uh, be crucified. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to ascend to the Father but that he would not leave the disciples by themselves, that he would send another just like him, Parakletos, the helper, the Holy Spirit that will come and lead them and teach them all things. John 14, 18 says this, I will not leave you as orphans. That is such a powerful statement that Jesus made to his disciples. I will not leave you as orphans. I was caught by the beauty of the quote that reminded me of what Jesus said in John 14. I was caught by this beauty uh, of this statement. And I want us to hear the tenderness 
and the assurance in the voice of Jesus as he declares to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. As I said a minute ago, Jesus is promising the disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. That, that, that he's revealing to them that soon he'll be crucified, resurrected, and ascend to the Father. But Jesus is using this beautiful language to assure the disciples of their position in him, what he plans to do after he goes to the Father. And what Jesus is using here is familial language or language of the family. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as fatherless uh, disciples. I won't leave you as vulnerable. I won't leave you alone. The disciples needed to hear that as Jesus was talking about what was coming and who would come from the Father. But we too need to hear that today, that we have not been left as orphans, that we have not been left alone, that we have been not been left as fatherless, as vulnerable people. No, we have an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who's come. Jesus promised that he would not leave us as orphans. And this familial language that Jesus uses here about orf not being orphans, Paul spends a lot of time in his letters fleshing out this familial language that Jesus is using here when he says he will not leave us as orphans. Rather than orphans, Paul continually reminds us that we are adopted, that we have a father, and that we have an inheritance, and with all of that, a new identity. So I want to talk about this a little bit this morning. First, let's talk about the idea of this inheritance that we have. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read a, a large portion of the text here. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 15, probably uh, one of the most powerful introductions to a letter. Uh, Paul's writing to the churches in Ephesus, uh, some think even seven churches in Ephesus, or that it would go out from the churches in Ephesus to all of the region around Ephesus, to all of the churches. But here's what Paul says. He says, Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, in which he has blessed us in the beloved. He goes on. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he sent forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, 
you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Did you, did you hear that language? Did you catch the, the, the familial language that Paul is using to describe what Jesus had said in John 14 to his disciples that I will not leave you as orphans? Paul goes on and writing to his letters to the churches to begin to explain and sort of flesh out what does that mean that God has not left us as orphans? And he uses the same kind of familial language that Jesus was using. Paul is saying God chose us, that he adopted us, that in him we have this inheritance. Nine times in this text, Paul refers to these ideas of our being in Christ, being in him or through Christ. He is trying to drive home the point that as we are in Christ, we now have an inheritance. We have been adopted. We've been made a part of the family of God. And it's important that we understand the adoption element that Paul speaks about here. Because if there is no adoption, then there is no inheritance. And Paul is making it clear in Ephesians that we um, have this guarantee of the, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. But if we weren't adopted, if we weren't brought into the family, then we would be orphans. We would be fatherless people. But because he adopted us, we now have a father. And because we have a father, we have an inheritance. And you might be asking, what is this inheritance? Well, this inheritance is us being united as one with Christ. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter tells us that this inheritance is imperishable, that it is undefiled, that it is unfading, and that it is kept in heaven for us. So this inheritance that we have, that the Holy Spirit is the seal of, this inheritance is kept for us in heaven. The, the Holy Spirit is a, is a foretaste of, a seal of, a guarantee of that inheritance when we will one day become fully united with Christ in a way that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading. I don't know about you, but I, I'm looking forward to the day that we can fully lay hold of the inheritance that we have here in Christ Jesus. And all of this that Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 15, all of this that he's talking about, the, the adoption, the inheritance, this, the guarantee of the Holy Spirit, all of this is sealed by the Spirit because it is the Spirit of God that binds us to Christ. It is the Spirit of God that establishes our in Christness, if you will. The Spirit of God is the one who seals our inheritance as adopted children of God. Julie Candless said this the Holy Spirit ushers us into adoption not workaholism. He tells us not so much what to do, but who we are. The guarantee of the Spirit 
the, 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 rather the, the indwelling of the Spirit is the guarantee of the inheritance that tells us who we are, that we are adopted children of God. Let's, let's flesh that out even further because who we are is a reference to our identity, right? So, so we have this inheritance in Christ that the Holy Spirit binds us to Christ and provides for us this inheritance. And there is no inheritance without a father. So it speaks to the fact that we have been called into the family of God. And the Spirit reminds us constantly that in Christ, we now have a new identity. Continuing with this theme of Paul and using this familial language with the letters that he wrote, I want to look real quickly and he wrote to the churches in Galatia and he wrote to the churches in Rome. And here's what he said in Galatians chapter four, verses four through six. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Listen to this closely so that we might receive adoption as sons, or you could say as children. It's a genderless uh, word here. And because you are sons or because you are children, listen to this, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In Romans 8.15, we talked about this. I think it was Pentecost our third installment of this Pentecost series, Romans 8.15. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. By the Son, hear this, by the Son, we have become sons. By the Son, we have become children of of God. And we have received the spirit of adoption that establishes us with a brand new identity. Now, I know that we talked a little bit about adoption before, but I just feel it's so important to really flesh this out a little bit more. We have received the spirit of adoption and that spirit of adoption has established us with a brand new identity in Christ. As I shared before in, in part three of this series, uh, under Roman adoption, the life and standing of the, adopt, the adopted child changed completely. We have to capture this because Paul is speaking to that. He's using the, the terminology of adoption intentionally to speak to these people who understood that in their times when someone was adopted, that changed their identity completely. The adopted son received a brand new identity. The old identity was completely gone and the new identity takes over. Now, does that sound familiar to you? I hope it does because 2 Corinthians 5.17, we say this all the time, but Paul writing to the churches in Corinthians said this, now, if anyone is in Christ, hear that, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. So the Spirit empowers us by the Spirit. Our seal, our guarantee, we now have the ability to be competent in our new identity and cry out, 
Abba, Father. And let me be clear, not just cry out Father, but to cry out Abba, Father, because Abba, Father is the proper name of God, the Father, the divine one. So we're not just calling out to any father. No, we're calling out to God, the Father. The first part of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, we're crying out to God the Father as our own Father. That the Divine One, Abba, is now our Father. And we can be so confident in our identity in Christ that the Spirit of God empowers us now to be able to come boldly before the throne of grace and approach God, not as a distant being or power, but as a tender, loving, caring, assuring, ever-present Father. We have the confidence in our new identity to call him, to relate to him, to trust in God as our father. We are not orphans. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we have not been left as orphans. David Guzik said this about this idea of our identity in Christ. It is easy for us to think of Jesus relating to the Father with this joyful confidence. But we may think we are disqualified from it. However, remember that we are in Christ. And we have the privilege of relating to the Father even as Jesus does. Remember, Jesus was telling the disciples, the Father and I are one. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And here's what happens when we are in Christ, then we also are in the Father and we have this identity as adopted children of God. The old life is gone. The new life has come. So we have this beautiful inheritance. We have this, we've been adopted into this beautiful family. We have a brand new identity in Jesus. And the Spirit of God is constantly reminding us and moving us in this in Christ, this teaching us what it means to be in Christ, binding us to Christ. It brings me to the last part as we talked about our inheritance, as we talked about our new identity. This last part is interesting. Now that we have a good grasp on the familial language that Jesus alluded to and that Paul so beautifully fleshed out in his letters, I want to go back to Jesus. And I want to go back to the discussion that Jesus is having with his disciples, where he tells them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send the spirit, a helper to come be with you that will teach you all things. That's John chapter 14, what Jesus is talking about there. And considering the fact that we are not orphans, but are children of God, what Jesus was telling the disciples at that point, you will not be orphans, meaning you're going to be children of God. Considering that, Jesus begins to instruct the hearts of the disciples and also our hearts in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, is some of my favorite uh, texts around what Jesus taught his disciples. You probably know it. Um, but let me read it to you quickly. John 15 verses one through eight. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Hear the familial language there. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now listen closely. He says this, abide in me and I in you. Now keep in mind, he's already said that he's going to go to the Father and is going to send the Spirit. But now he's telling his disciples, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, he says, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Because you are not orphans, you should bear fruit as one who is in Christ. Because you are not orphans, you should bear fruit as one who is in Christ. This whole idea that, 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 um, that John writes about as Jesus des describes to his disciples, encourages his disciples that because they will not be left orphans, that means that they have become children of God. And as children of God, by the Spirit of God, they should abide in him. They should inhabit Christ by the Spirit of God. So I want to connect some dots here. I'm hoping that you're catching what is happening with all of this dialogue here. I want to connect some dots. The spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance and identity is the one who binds us together with Christ. This is why Christ here is calling the disciples and also calling us to abide, to remain in him. Remember all of the in Christ um, statements that Paul made in Ephesians? This is the same thing that Jesus is referring to here, that we remain in him. The word abide in the Greek is the word meno, M-E-N-O. If you've been around Hope Assembly for any time, you've heard me talk about this. Meno, it's one of my favorite aspects of the, of the book of John where Jesus encourages the disciples to abide, to meno. It means to become one with, where two are becoming one to the point where they are indistinguishable. Now, the scriptures tell us that we are grafted into the vine. It's the same sort of idea as we being adopted into the family of God. It's the same. He's just he's just using the 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 a different sort of metaphor here, uh, agrarian metaphor. Those who would farm and and uh, sow vines and and reap grapes and harvest from those vines, they would understand this same terminology. But but it's no different than saying we are adopted to the family. We were grafted into the vine, adopted. The Spirit is the one who binds us, the branches to Christ, who is the true, real, genuine, authentic vine. And we become one by the Spirit with Jesus Christ. 
And when we become one with Jesus, meno, abiding in the vine, we naturally begin to bear the God kind of fruit. Why? Because the life of the vine begins to flow through the branches. So the Spirit binds us to Christ, promises and guarantees that we have an inheritance because we are now children of God and have a new identity as children of God. And Jesus says, I want you to stay in Christ. I want you to abide in me. I want you to become one with me. And as you do, the life that I have as the son of the living God begins to flow through you. And as that life flows through you, you will produce much fruit. You will naturally bear the God kind of fruit. This is why he's encouraging the disciples to abide in him by the Spirit. That means there's no stress. He's not asking us for perfection. He's not asking us for a performance. No, he's asking us to confidently abide in him, to trust the work of the Spirit to keep us in Christ. And as we do that, that we will bear much fruit, fruit that remains the fruit of the Spirit is what Jesus is really referring to here, that you will bear much fruit. He's referring to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to talk about that next week, what it looks like to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Julie Canlis says, I opened with this quote of only the spirit can convince our orphan hearts that we are children. That wasn't the end of the quote. She finishes the quote by saying this. This is the spirit's primary ministry to us, an identity forming ministry, calling us to trust in God's fatherly goodness and allowing us to cease uh, to cease from perfectionism and from performance. The Spirit of God allows us to confidently rest in our new identity in Christ, knowing that it provides for us an inheritance, oneness with Him, and that as we inhabit this place, the Spirit of God produces God-like fruit in our lives. Isn't that good news? We can cry out, Abba, Father, because Jesus promised that he would not leave us as orphans. I hope that blesses you today. I hope that stirs in your heart today. I hope you know that you are the beloved of God, that you are accept, accepted, that you were chosen by God in love to be adopted in, unto him, to be drawn unto him, to be, to be made new in Christ. Receive it, like rest in that new identity. Rest in the fact that the Spirit is the guarantee of the inheritance that we will fully apprehend Christ as Christ fully apprehends us. Rest in that and allow the Spirit of God to form the God-like kind of fruit in your life. Again, we'll talk more about that next week. Let's pray. Father, 
may we trust, may we have confidence in the identity that we have as children of God, that we could cry out to you, Abba, Father, that you love us, accept us, call us your own. Holy Spirit, thank you that you remind us of our in Christness. You remind us and bind us to Christ. May we, may we abide in that place that we might bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, let me pray this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening and God bless.